Hello, and welcome back to The Violet Vulture, or simply welcome if you're new here. My name is Emmy, and I'll be your host. I identify as a storyteller, Datsula, witch, and an all-around too-much person. And what do we do here on the pod? Well, we love and honor the spooky, the esoteric, spirituality, art, curiosity, horror, shadow work, strong opinions, and questions. A lot of this podcast does come from my own reflections, thoughts, perspectives, but a lot of it does come from you all. So do drop a voice memo or a comment on Spotify, DM me, email me, your fascination, morbid curiosity, special interest, and your topic just might make it onto the pod. So let's keep chatting. I absolutely love your questions. Let's continue to get deep, vulnerable, and so, so weird going to keep my announcements today pretty, pretty short due to various factors. My website kind of relaunch, rebrand, whole nine yards, uh, likely won't be back up until mid late April at this point. And on one hand, annoying, but on the other hand, I, I realize just how much historically I have churned out work or put up a website or posted offerings very quickly in the interest of like, oh, hurry up and get it done. So I think the podcast has really helped me to challenge that sense of urgency strictly because it is so process oriented. Like I have the SOPs that I have mentally in my brain that I have to write down soon (laughs) and I know all the nuts and bolts of it that you think it's going to take X amount of time. No, it will take you longer. There might be some ways to like speed it up, but realistically, not going to happen. And that's okay. So I do appreciate this platform having done this for soon to be a year. I really appreciate how much it's helped me challenge that urgency and confront that need to perfectly show up. It's much more important to thoughtfully show up and to build something that I'm really proud of. And I feel like because I'm taking my time with it and being more mindful, it's shaping up to be something that is so aligned with the life that I'm wanting to build for myself. That's all to say, still not up yet, but if you have any questions, you know where to find me in case you're like on my website before like April 20th or something, faux 20. And you're like, where's your website? Uh, just look me up any other way, please. If you have any questions, again, you know where to find me. I do want to thank you all who voted on this topic that you really wanted me to touch on this this week. And thank you for voting on on the podcast episode that I have either it'll be either next week or the following week TBD. I may need to take that time to just focus on editing. I have been so deeply generative lately. I have recorded so many episodes with amazing, amazing people. And it's been incredibly life-giving. But on the other hand, I I don't want to just 
have this like dragon's horde of unedited episodes sitting around. Meanwhile, they're like, what the hell happened to the the content we made together? So I I do want to make sure I create enough space to properly work on the website, make sure I can begin getting on track for editing all this great juicy stuff that I have. And yeah, thank you all so, so much for your interest and your support. And uh, as always, ramble enough. Let's get on to today's episode. I have found that I need to re-record this episode a few times over. Lately, I've noticed that it'll be easier for me to kind of open up the minute I come to the mic but in sitting down to begin recording, talking about why I don't call myself death positive anymore, I took a step back to really reflect on why, why that might be difficult. Aside from this being something that I am still coming to terms with in many ways, I knew on one hand that I wasn't gelling as much with death death positive as a term that I would use to describe myself or, or why I'm drawn to the work that I do. It, it was almost easier to write it off as feeling generally frustrated, you know, as is often the case. It isn't until you take a step back and certain things begin to clear up or you begin to noodle around the why and get to the bottom of what sits beneath the feeling is fear of uh, coming across as though I uh, am out of touch or that I'm betraying the cause in some way or even that I am being contrarian for the sake of appearing to have uh, just offering a different perspective for the fuck of it and not because it's going to offer anyone anything substantial. On one hand, reflecting on that can help you, can be can give you good data. But on the other hand, what often underlines that is you do have a strong perspective and it deserves to be heard. So... I do want to provide a little bit of background info for those that are curious about my death doula, death midwife work. I don't want this to be so insular that people who are less familiar with these kind of jargony things, that I don't want to alienate anybody. And that is actually one of the reasons why I don't really care for death positive as a term, that and of itself is a is a pretty strong reason right there. But for the sake of providing a little bit of groundwork for us to then build on, what even does it mean to be death positive? And also, what is a death doula or death midwife? So I'll begin with in reverse because I feel like it. Death doula or death midwife are terms that one could use. Some people may also enjoy death companion, for instance. And there are different political, uh, personal, 
reasons as to why someone may prefer one term over another. But I have found for the sake of more people tend to use a death doula, I have opted to refer to myself as a death doula more often than not. The training that I underwent for certification through Earth Traditions, uh, which is was based in Illinois, but I think is now technically based in Wisconsin, whatever they travel. They prefer death midwife. The reasoning behind it being doula has a not great origin. And I absolutely hear that. Uh, same thing with why folks may prefer companion, because it's a different type of relationship. The, the history behind the word is a little bit different. But for the sake of agreeing on a term, if I must use a term to describe myself cleanly, that doula is fine. I am not personally offended by any which one. Just don't call me a death wife because I'm not married to death. That has come up before. And every time I hear that, it just really gets under my skin. Like it, like it literally hurts. <laughs> yeah. Us homies with like sensory issues where like certain terms or words just feel wrong. It just feels wrong. So maybe don't do it. Uh, and if you do, I'll just scream. So deal with it. Initially in my death doula journey, I like many others took, took to the term death positive as a way of describing my desired relationship with my mortality. In terms of the definition, death positive is not unlike being sex positive or body positive, that you are taking extra effort to build a different relationship with your mortality, that there's an acceptance that you will die. There's an understanding that everybody will lose somebody at some point, that this is the one unifying factor among everybody. You know, you cannot escape death and taxes. So there's a certain degree of seeing death as a friend in a way or befriending your mortality shadow that's kind of baked into it as well. It can often feel a little bit subversive to say that in certain circles. And that is partly by design because it can help encourage conversation because you don't often think of death and positive that close to each other. You know, maybe we internally you know, reconcile after some time that, no, this person was suffering for so long, they really needed to pass. Like we, they couldn't keep being in pain anymore. And it was so hard for me to see them suffering. I hurt, but I also feel better knowing that they're not suffering anymore. So there's an element of that as well that's woven within the term. And it was popularized, you know, to give the, you know, give it its due. Uh, the Order of the Good Death is a now nonprofit organization. Uh, they were founded in 2011. And the whole point behind that is to raise awareness and promote understanding of alternative burial options, about better understanding immortality, having a better grasp on grief, a lot of funeral history. How did we arrive to these kind of concepts around what is conventional burial now versus these alternatives that seem, you know, alternative in a way. 
I do want to pay them respect for the work that they have done to really be on the front lines, more, like in a very real way, uh, politically, to push alternatives that are eco-friendly, that are accessible, that are financially more easily available to to marginalized communities. And a lot of great information about this end of life planning, because the last thing anybody wants is for their final wishes to be in the hands of family that may otherwise have hated their existence or feel very like diametrically opposed. So doing all that planning in advance can absolutely allow for the send off that you would want and deserve. The Order of the Good Death and many others, myself included, who are of the mind that that being death positive doesn't mean that you are always cool with the fact that you're going to die. It doesn't mean that you will get over your grief right away or always know the right thing to say to somebody who is experiencing a loss or is mourning. It doesn't mean anything remotely close to perfectionism or being an expert. It does mean that you're, you will remain in a open, receptive kind of frame of mind for these kinds of conversations. It's that even though there will be these waves, these like ups and downs where you might be more open to talking about death and times where you might find that you hit a wall, that's perfectly normal because having a relationship with your mortality is not unlike other relationships. They're not always going to be be roses, you know? That all, I can still vibe with that where I noticed myself beginning to slowly back away from that is interestingly enough, one of the reasons why is the very thing that helped people kind of wrap their minds around being death positive in the first place. It was all about saying being fat positive, that we want to be fat positive or be body positive. Now we're moving into this new space where we may not always be in a positive relationship with our bodies. And even if we were to say, oh, well, it's not always positive, but I'm, I'm body positive. It, it, it feels disingenuous. It feels like there's like a disconnect still happening where it's a fine term, but only up to a point. And I've seen several folks also acknowledge that the body positive term came out of uh, not just BIPOC, but the Black community, that it was popularized by Black women and femmes. So there's something of an appropriation thing going on there in terms of the rec- like reclaiming one's body and that you should be proud of your Black body and all of the shapes, forms it may be taking. So there's that aspect that it was never off to a good start. And with moving towards terms like body neutrality, it opens up the door for acknowledging that you have a body and that you may like it sometimes and you may be mad at it other times, or even taking into account that your body will continue to fluctuate because life just happens. If you are someone that has 
immune system disorder, like an autoimmune condition or have allergies or asthma, then it wouldn't be uncommon for you to at some point need steroids and then your body and your face included will go from looking one way to looking another way very rapidly. And that can be so dysregulating, so disorienting. And using the term positive to talk about your relationship to your body in that moment feels like you're trying to to positive vibes only the whole thing, that we're going to acknowledge it but then try to move away from it so fast that you get whiplash and you never truly process exactly how you felt. And that just leads to more trauma bubbling up for you. So along those lines, saying death positive and always adding in that qualifier of, oh, well, you won't always have a positive relationship with your mortality. It's that you want to move to a place where you're occasionally positive about it feels so forced. It's like as a very wordy person with how I write or when you're trying to communicate something to somebody and they're already not necessarily fully on board, the more words you need to use to try to explain your concept and they don't really know if they believe you the more it feels like you're trying to bait them into something. There's a difference between providing some context and kind of talking in circles. And I feel like death positive at times has led to people feeling turned off by it because it could feel like you're talking in circles in order to help it make sense. So there, therein lies a flaw for me, you know, speaking personally, There's the layer of, I'm a chronically ill person. My body weight and size and other things have also gone up and down and changed a lot. And that leads to some dysmorphia there. And uh, December 2020 into January of 2021, I was hospitalized several times. And end of January, I had a near-death experience. And... To experience something like a near-death experience when you're also a death doula and someone who has studied death in an academic way, from an anthropological standpoint, from cultural standpoints, like how it affects folks politically, none of that prepares you for sitting in an ambulance and realizing that you just may no longer, you just might not make it. And on one hand, you want to be reassured by knowing that you're getting help in the moment. You know that things don't always work out. After sitting with that, there was a period of time thereafter where I was strictly in survival mode. It took me some time to shift out of that, get into a new space, do kind of a health reset, and figure out what kind of therapy would be most supportive to me, like what combination of self-care and community care would be my new secret sauce. Still figuring it out, it changes just as any relationship does. And I had to relearn how to listen to myself. And upon doing so, 
I, it's so complicated, the feelings that I had when I wondered whether or not I'd live through the night. To say that I am death positive felt like it, it made me realize that the next time I were to sit down and talk to somebody about being death positive, it would feel so hard to say that I associate with that or that I relate to that in that way. It feels more relevant now to say I am committed to raising death awareness or I'm committed to to fostering conversations and facilitating dialogues about grief and about how these various factors differently impact communities of color and queer folks for these reasons. Part of my shifting away from death positive is because it acts as a catch-all that can be alienating, but also doesn't necessarily say everything that I think we should be saying in order to have these better, stronger conversations within our communities. And there's the cultural aspect of any time I, in the past, have tried to use death positive within the Black and Brown communities, there's been this immediate pushback that it immediately stops the conversation in the interest of making sure that my work remains intersectional. And so much of me becoming a Detsula was because I wanted to be there for my people because it wasn't enough to just offer an alternative to the conventional funeral system or to kind of the very vanilla discussions around grief. I wanted to be an active participant in these conversations eventually clicked for me that if I want to make sure I'm doing that for my community, I can't just make a joke about death all the time because, you know, especially within the Puerto Rican community, that's seen as a sign of disrespect, that I'm speaking ill, that I'm talking at a turn. There's a lot more to our cultural language that would shut down the conversation when in reality we're far more aligned than we would give ourselves credit for. But because I got so hung up on using the quote unquote, like, oh, the term that you should be using as a Detsula, like if you're worth your salt, like I, I don't need to do any of that. I don't need to do that in order to have these conversations. It's not unlike in organizing when you sit down with somebody who historically votes more conservative. And when you sit with them and talk about what you believe in when it comes to your values and where you fall when it comes to finances and, you know, you're, if you're working class, what you've been able to afford, whether or not you got laid off, when you have those human conversations and then we take a step back and say, okay, why are you voting against your interests? <laughs> like I, I've had to do that so many times where it's like, so why are you voting for that guy? Like, why are you voting for her? It, it isn't until you, we get on the, we put everything on the table. We make sure that we're of, that we're really speaking the same, same language here. And then making it clear, like, that's what we're talking about when we say this. <laughs> that's what we're talking about when we say you should 
consider other options. Another example to further ground it into conversations that I've had, there was a point where a family member was with her mother in the hospital and the doctors were talking in circles and they said, oh, well, she's doing great. We just have to keep her on life support and and that'll be that'll be it. I asked some follow-up questions to clarify, oh, so when will, you, when will you be able to take out tubes? When will you be able to send her home? And when the doctor explained to me, like kind of looked a little bit like, okay, don't make, like, don't make me say it, but now I have to say it. Uh, the doctor told me, well, she's not going to be able to go home like this. This is the only thing keeping her alive. And I had that conversation with my family member that – I can see how it it's misleading that it's giving you this kind of hope. But to be very clear, when he says that she is going to live, it means that everything that's happening now in the hospital is what's keeping her alive. There's no her going back home with you tomorrow night to watch TV, to go for a little walk or anything like that. That's just not going to happen. This is the only thing keeping her alive. It was a hard one for her to swallow, but after some time went by, you know, gave her a little bit of space. She said, thank you so much for being honest with me. All of these like terms being thrown around are just disorienting. I just want to be told how it is. And thank you for giving that to me. And I'm so grateful that I was there to do that for her. And it was hard, sure, but... It gave her the tools that she needed to actually do something in that moment to make it concrete. There's that aspect. There's also the neurodiversity aspect of the more jargony terms you throw my way, the more I'm going to stare blankly back at you. You know, I, I needed people to describe what death positive meant to me because I didn't know if I liked it right away. And once I realized the associations of, oh, well, if I'm aligned with these kinds of mindsets and I believe in this kind of change that I want to be a part of, then of course I should call myself death positive. But again, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> like these are all things that are very well intentioned that other folks may find very supportive, especially given the communities that they serve. But given the community that I serve <laughs> and the folks that have typically tended to come my way, it doesn't really add anything. In fact, as I've stated, it can harm the conversation or make us lose track a little bit. And then I have to like really get us back on the pavement. <laughs> there's there's that layer for me that I I wish I could for the sake of other people that I also respect love using it. But between my own personal, but also professional experience, I have found that it just ends up turning folks off. And in the interest of having more richer conversations, I think it's more important to concisely say what it is that you believe in. It's not unlike... Um, the difference between having some value words and then having like a unique selling proposition or like a vision statement 
it's nice to say that you believe in excellence, but what does that mean? It isn't until you take that step back and say, I serve my community in X way by doing this thing in this way. That That is so much more informative, descriptive, a richer description, and it helps folks know how to opt in to working with you. And I, I suppose if, you know, for those that are like, well, what do you call yourself? I, I say that I am a deaf practitioner. I feel like the I am and then the thing that I do. I am a death doula. And, and then I say what I'm committed to doing and how I show up for my community and the individuals who come to me for holding space for them and their loved ones. I think it's a lot more important to be specific. I think the more, especially the more people who get involved in, in the death awareness, death practitioner kind of space that are, that are interested in pushing against the conventional like funeral industrial complex I think it'll become increasingly more important to really hone in on what you believe in within this context. Because back when I got certified, I was the only person I knew who was a certified death doula. And now I know so many people who are doing it for so many reasons to work on their own relationships with their mortalities because they want to hold vigil for people. They want to, you know, work through their own grief and then use that toolkit as a way of helping their loved ones when the time comes around for that. So there's so many personal, professional, communal reasons as to why some may pursue death midwife certification, death doula training. And I think that's not unlike being a yoga instructor. And again, along those same lines, it isn't enough to say that you're a yoga instructor. It's like, are you trauma informed? How do you practice? Where did you learn how to be a yoga instructor? Do you use a lot of um, body shaming, a lot of like fitnessy terms, like suck in your gut? Or do you, or is it like super chill? (laughs) So I think- as we as we continue to see these numbers increase and as we continue to have these larger collective conversations about death and dying, the more I think we need to not necessarily completely stop using death positive, but I think we need to get very clear on how we relate to the work, how we want to position ourselves in the greater fight for affordable funeral care and for death with dignity and all these other amazing things that are seeing advancements, but it totally depends on where you live, just like anything political. So I think it's going to become much more, I think it is much more important to name what it is that you believe in and That, I think, is the ongoing work, too. It's going to change over time. I used to think that I wanted to hold vigil for everybody and that that would be my career at some point. Like, I had a whole vision in mind for that. 
And I had to take a step back and challenge myself. And I realized I have no interest in doing that. I am so susceptible to burnout as a neurodivergent person. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't last a year. That would absolutely further disable me <laughs> to be very direct about it. And I don't want to do that. You know, we, again, we have these, like our bodies are our responsibility. And I knew that that just was not for me, that I could not sustain that. I did it for a handful of people, including my grandfather. And it was such a beautiful blessing to be able to do that for him and for my family. But yeah, I don't know if that's for me as much as I thought I could do. And I see the book ending of let's go over your advanced directives and let's go over grief and the many manifestations of grief because grief isn't strictly losing somebody. It's also the life that you thought you were going to have. Like I grieve people I've lost. I grieve the fact that my lung capacity ain't the same as she used to be. I grieve the fact that there's so much financial instability in, in the collective at this moment. I know some people are killing it. Some people feel like they're being slowly killed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, therein lies the other aspect of why I can't say death positive anymore. It, how, how can death be a friend during a time of climate change? How can death be a friend when we are being systemically killed? How can we see death as a friend during times of rampant police brutality? How can we see death as a friend when, when we're experiencing long COVID because our country didn't take care of us? I can't possibly say that I'm death positive when these things that were preventable happened because it's more profitable to allow us to die. So, and that's not to say that that hasn't been the case during other periods of the both short and long history of the professional funeral industry. But I do think, you know, in my opinion, that in order to have these more effective dialogues, we need to call things what they are and to make it clear what we're fighting for and to name the ways that death has harmed us because it it is a it is harm it is a loss to lose people to violence it is violence it, like it, it it's also violent to look at what your body used to be able to do before before people decided that Everything was back to normal, so let's just rapidly reopen. And hey, you people who already had a lot of chronic illness, how would you like three others? <laughs> because long COVID can trigger a whole little like domino effect. Maybe there will come a point where it feels better aligned, like we we get each other <laughs> again. At this point, unless some major changes happen death positive ain't the right word to describe me anymore. And I think that's okay. And that isn't to say that I shame you or that I'm mad at you for continuing to use death positive as a term. 
that you connect with perfectly fine. If you also feel like that has been a term that has rubbed you the wrong way or hasn't felt terribly aligned, I do just want to validate that for you, that it's okay. Not all words are for everybody. That's why we have an ever-evolving language system. There are words for things that we just never had before because we didn't think of them or things have changed. So now we have new terms to define the new way of being. So I I do want to welcome if there's a term that we could use in lieu of that. I know death aware is one of them. I guess that's fine. <laughs> if you want to use it for me, cool, I guess. But I guess I, I do want to bring it home to it's more important to do the work than to figure out what to call it. That will come after. I was so focused on how how to talk about being death positive that I often lost sight of the actual work and the impact I could have on the community and the things that I wanted to fight for. So I think it's much more important to honor your journey and, you know, not unlike folks that prefer queer over saying bisexual or lesbian or gay, whatever works for you, it's much more important to have a good sense of what's aligned and to be able to speak to that than to worry about whether or not you're using the right word. As long as you get it and you can tell somebody who wants to see if y'all are aligned, that's all that really matters. That's all for today's episode, everyone. While we reach the end of this particular conversation, it's time to turn it over to you. Did something I say lead to some spiderweb thinking and you wish we could go even deeper? Do you have more questions? Please do share what's on your mind in email, voice memo, etc. And do let me know those post-pod questions or ideas or if you'd like to have a particular guest come on the podcast. You know, don't be shy. Let's keep the conversation going. If you liked what you heard, and this is all really hitting home for you, please do leave a five-star rating and a review and pass it along to even one friend you think would benefit from what we talked about today on The Violet Vulture. But that's all for today, friends. Thank you for tuning in The Violet Vulture. Bye for now.